You're tuned into the Tokyo Living Podcast, where we help you live a healthy and enjoyable life in one of the most amazing cities in the world. On this episode of the Injury Edition, Sam discusses a recent paper regarding opioids and back pain that has gained a great deal of media attention over the past few weeks. Tokyo Living is proudly brought to you by Club 360, changing lives through health and fitness. So I just wanted to touch on a recent research article that has been a subject matter for several general media and lay press articles over the last couple of weeks in relation to opioid use for lower back pain. Now, this study was originally conducted in Australia and published in The Lancet, which is a very prestigious journal and has been used to publish guidelines for treatment of certain conditions such as lower back pain. Now, the headlines to come out of this study were that uh, opioid use is uh, not effective for lower back pain and shouldn't be recommended essentially as a, as a blanket statement. And it was even suggested by the authors that uh, the Lancet update their current guidelines for lower back pain uh, to essentially not recommend the use of opioids at all. So just as a bit of background, um, I think most people are familiar with the term opioid and at least have some understanding um, of the class of drugs that they come under and the fact that they're you know, quite a strong analgesic medication. Opioids are some of the oldest uh, analgesic medications that we have in the, in the history of pharmacology. They act on the opioid system. So we have these opioid receptors at a number of different locations throughout our nervous system, right from the brain through to the peripheral nerves. And uh, this opioid system has um, a, an important role in the regulation of, of pain responses. So when we ingest opioids, they uh, bind with these uh, opioid receptors and that leads to a dulling of that pain response. They also act on the um, endocrine system and this triggers a release of a large amount of dopamine, which I think most people are aware is, is that happy drug. So opioids are essentially a family of medications. Um, we have opiates, which are the, the naturally occurring compounds, uh, which is sort of natural alkaloids found in um, the resin of the, the opium poppy. And these refer to drugs such as codeine and morphine. We then have semi-synthetic uh, compounds, um, which are the drugs uh, that start with things like oxy and hydra. So your oxycodone, oxymorphone, uh, drugs like that. Uh, and then we have fully synthetic uh, compounds <clears throat> such as uh, fentanyl and methadone. Some of the issues with opioids, uh, as we alluded to before, because of the dopamine released when uh, these drugs are taken, it can produce a sense of euphoria. And it's this euphoria that increases the likelihood of, of addiction. People uh, essentially get addicted to uh, the high that the drugs produce. And so drugs like uh, heroin, which is one of the um, strongest opioids out there, um, is obviously a very problematic illicit drug. And it's this sense of euphoria that, uh, that draws people uh, to the drug and, and, and causes that addiction. Um, there's also the risk of a tolerance. So uh, if people are taking the drug regularly, um, they become tolerant in that more of the, the medication is required to have that same effect. And, uh, and then we, they can also become dependent on them. So um, there's certainly issues with uh, opioids and uh, most people will have heard of um, the, the issues in certain parts of the world with um, prescription of, of opioids um, because of these problems of, of addiction and tolerance um, and dependence that they cause. 
However, um, because of these issues that, uh, that have been raised, um, the prescribing rights around opioids have been changed and have become a lot stricter in, in many parts of the world. So whilst um, you know, in, in past years there was this opioid epidemic where they were, were vastly overprescribed, in a lot of parts of the world, if anything, it's actually too difficult um, for doctors to prescribe opioids. So whenever the results of studies like these are being published in lay press, where many, many people are going to be reading them and those people are not medically educated and the messages in those articles have the potential to alter health behaviours. Uh, it's important that the articles that have been referenced are of a high methodological quality and also that they're actually asking and then answering uh, the right questions. When we look at this study, there are quite a number of flaws. The first one is the size of the study. So there were around 300, 350 participants of which 20% were lost to follow-up. <clears throat> and that's not a large number of participants. If we have 300 people in a physiotherapy or, or a sports science study, we're over the moon. We can get a lot of useful data out of that. But uh, in pharmacology, that's just uh, underpowered to answer the question at hand. In terms of subject selection, these subjects were selected, um, the participants were, were recruited if they had had pain uh, up to four weeks. So if they'd had pain, back pain in the last four weeks. <clears throat> and uh, the back pain could be from mild to moderate. The outcomes of the study, so essentially they gave one group uh, a placebo and the other group uh, an opioid medication, and they were reassessed at 12 weeks. Now, this just simply isn't the way that opioid medication is used. Opioid medication is used to treat um, severe acute back pain or acute pain. And so you wouldn't give these medications to people with mild to moderate pain. And uh, in general, you wouldn't give it to someone who's had this pain for, for four weeks. Um, these medications are used in the early stages um, if other medications or other interventions have been unsuccessful to try and settle acute pain. We know that uh, even if we settle the acute pain in general with acute lower back pain, um, there's not a lot that's going to change someone's outcomes at 12 weeks. But that's not really what we're using the medication for. We're using it to settle acute symptoms. Um, if someone has acute pain and they can't get out of bed, um, you're not really thinking about what uh, state you're going to be in in 12 weeks. You, you, you may have uh, a work that you need to get back to. You, you may be caring for a family. <clears throat> the, the important thing at that point is you know, getting moving, being able to function. Uh, it may be interrupting your sleep to the point where you're not sleeping at all. Um, really, that's where uh, opioid medication or any you know, stronger uh, analgesic medication uh, really has its role. So to be assessing these people at follow-up 12 weeks later doesn't really make sense. One of the exclusion criteria was that they had serious pathology. Now they didn't really go into a lot of detail about what that serious pathology was, but um, excluding people with serious pathology, obviously if they have 
non-musculoskeletal non uh, pathology such as tumors, that's a different story. <clears throat> but if someone has you know, a, a serious musculoskeletal pathology, they're the ones that are likely to require this opioid medication. So again, there are you know, a few issues with uh, subject selection. And then there was a medication they used, which was Targene, which is a medication that's not actually approved for the treatment of lower back pain. Um, Targene is a, a combination of oxycodone and uh, naxolone, and it's essentially a, a slow-release uh, opioid. They used this variation um, because they wanted to limit the side effects to help with the randomization of the, the study. So they didn't want uh, the participants who were uh, in <clears throat> the actual um, uh, research group, so the, the ones taking the opioid, to know that they were taking the opio opioid and not the placebo. The problem with this was that many of the participants did notice the side effects so that they knew that they weren't taking a placebo. Uh, and then the other main problem is that um, yeah, the study was based on a medication that is not actually um, uh, approved for use uh, for the condition that they're actually treating. A lot of researchers will have their biases to different degrees. Um, there were some uh, quotes within the paper which more directly you know, pointed to her stronger biases. She quoted that 70% uh, of patients were receiving um, opioids by their GP when they presented for lower back pain. However, these are not current statistics. As we talked about before, since the issues that uh, have been raised with opioid use, the prescription rights of doctors have changed in, in a big way. And so uh, it's, it's no longer the case where a lot of uh, patients will be prescribed opioids for lower back pain. So again, we're seeing some false statistics there that sort of raise questions about the, the true agenda of, of this paper. So from a personal perspective, as someone who has seen um, people suffering lower back pain of, or acute lower back pain of differing severities, and as someone who's experienced lower back pain myself um, and has had two you know, very severe episodes of lower back pain, um, I've seen how people re respond to opioid medication. And on those two episodes where I experienced back pain, where I basically wasn't able to move, um, opioid medication was effective in helping me overcome that, that very severe uh, acute pain in the early stages. So I certainly understand the risks associated with opioids and I would by no means uh, someone who would urge their client to speak to their doctor about opi opioid medication <clears throat> as a first line intervention. Um, and perhaps in the future we will have uh, evidence to show that opioids are no more effective than um, placebo for acute back pain. However, at the moment we don't have that evidence and uh, particularly with this paper it certainly doesn't um, you know, add any weight to the argument that uh, opioid medication should not be recommended for lower back pain under any circumstances. Now obviously not in a position um, to prescribe uh, analgesics and um, certainly not in a, in a position to, to recommend uh, people either way but uh, because this uh, I've seen this paper referenced in an, a number of general media articles, I think it was important to just highlight uh, some of the issues that um, are likely not seen when you're reading this in, in a newspaper or, uh, or an online news forum. 
Um, so I hope that has been uh, useful and, uh, and interesting to some people. So if you do see uh, some of these articles that, that reference recent research in relation to health and fitness and, um, and, and medicine, um, and you'd like to know our thoughts and our current understanding of the research, um, then let us know and we'd be happy to, to share our, uh, our knowledge and experience. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Tokyo Living Podcast. If you enjoy the content, we'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you'd like to enjoy your podcast. We look forward to seeing you again on the next episode. Have a healthy and active week.